When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's really distracting. Never mind that. Uh, good evening, everybody. We're trying to uh, trying to work on a couple of technical issues here, and uh, what we're trying just isn't working. Um, had uh, multiple feeds going on uh, from my computer and on a separate TV, and uh, that was uh, that was a little distracting. Um, so we've already got uh, we got Kyle here, Kyle Stevens. Welcome back, Mr. Stevens. Thanks for having me again. Um, normally, I do a little preamble, but I'm just going to go jump right in here. Let's welcome our good friend, Steve Hammond, and all-star uh, karting legend and uh, all-around good guy. And uh, for some reason, we call him a snubber. He's a, he's a master snubber, whether that means he's working on uh, line freezes or some whatever the hell snubbing is uh mr matthew taskin and how's it going gentlemen well glad to be here oh look at that look at that steve steve uh coming out of the gates with uh with the fire of uh being well um first of all i think this is uh long overdue and uh my my sincere apology to uh steve from last week for somehow uh we met we we missed steve was sitting in the background and i didn't see him at all but uh some reason it just didn't work and now we got everything lined up here so um i'm gonna start with steve since uh since he's been the most patient here, he's, he's actually been online here for like eight straight days. Um, I haven't left my desk since last week. <laughs> well, that's a bit of a lie because I know you were outside, but you must have carried your laptop with you the whole the whole time, hey? I'm running out of battery. I might disappear on you. Yeah, again, well, that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll do our best to try and uh, fill the gap here, but... Uh, We'll tell the we'll tell the uh, the G rated version. You and I met a bunch of years ago uh, at a uh, at, at a function, and uh, we ended up chatting an awful lot about uh, about. Well, we first of all started talking about radio, and then we talked about karting. Um, you want to tell your story about how you got into karting and how you ended up in Alberta? Yeah, well, getting into karting goes way back. Um like 1996 97 maybe i bought my first card i was as far as carding goes i was probably you know older getting into the sport i was maybe 18 19 when i bought my first card and i didn't even buy it myself i had to borrow money off of my grandmother and she uh lent me the money to go over to uh 
Italian Motors in Vancouver, and I bought a Tibby cart uh, from Claudio and um, brought it back as when I was living in BC and I brought it back home and I had no idea what I was looking at and what to do with it. But um, um, a few weeks later, I showed up at the uh, Westwood Carting Association and uh, that was back in the day before the uh, Greg Moore Raceway um, in Chilliwack. This was when they raced in uh, Abbotsford at the Tradex Center, which was a parking lot track. And uh, it was actually a decent little track. And um, yeah, so that was uh, that was sort of the beginning and just, you know, didn't know what I didn't know. And um, true to form with karting, um, everyone was super helpful. Um, and, you know, like, and just kind of figured it out and um, and had a lot of fun. So that went on for quite a few years when I was BC based. Um, then kind of life happened and, you know, uh, wife and kids and career and I stepped out of karting for a while moved to Alberta for work I worked in uh, for broadcast radio and um, so karting kind of took a back seat and um, I always kind of wanted to get back in but um, yeah and then just kind of you know um, you know some time opened up and uh, I was looking to get back in and I kind of I don't know if I how I stumbled upon the EDKRA or maybe it was through our conversation but um, you know, finally, you mean you don't remember? Well, it was a bit of a blur, and I know you really <laughs> want to tell that story, um, but we don't have to again. But uh, yeah, and so I learned, you know, great karting community in, in basically my backyard. And I think I got connected with uh, another club member, uh, Mr. Troy Shalami, who um, sort of has a, uh, his finger on the pulse of, of equipment that's out there available. and. I found a nice secondhand piece um, that I picked up for a song and, uh, you know, threw in the back of my Toyota Tacoma and showed up at the track all over again. And that was the, uh, that was the, the, the year that the, uh, the Hammond fade was, was invented. The Hammond fade was in full effect. Yeah. yeah. You had uh, your, your, your brain remembered how to do everything, but your body hadn't, uh, hadn't, quite kept up. Um, I spend a lot of time, you know, talking about how physical the carts are to drive. I mean, going back to the radio show, rest in peace, uh, TSN radio on this thing, you know, talk about it time and time again, you've really got to be in shape to, to, to get through a, to get through a cart night. Well, I learned that firsthand when uh, I showed up, you know, at Warburg and um, you know, like, the neck for sure. Right. I mean, you know, your, your neck is just gonna have a really hard time trying to, and I'm sure I didn't have the lightest helmet, but um, yeah, and just, you know, general cardio and, and upper body strength, core strength, you know, like you, you can do it if, you know, if, if you're not in the greatest of shape, you can definitely do it, but you're not going to be racing at your peak potential. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got, Matthew Taskinen. Matthew, you're a multi-time uh, Rotax Grand Finals participant. You've raced all over uh, North America in go-karts. You've raced around the world in body cars, uh, endurance racing, kind of done a little bit of everything. Obviously, you you made the move to, uh, to, to do more professional level racing, but somehow you ended up back in karts. What's, uh, what's your story there? Uh, well, uh, 
cars is a completely different animal compared to go-karting. Not just the driving styles, but uh, you, know, you need a, a backing of uh, sponsorships or uh, like some money behind you if you want to stay at the top level and compete with the other best racers there are in that class. And, uh, and the time as well, like just flying all over the country. Uh, and during that time when I was trying to make that um, move to the next level, uh, that was 2018, 2019, 2020, were my three years where I was big into car racing. Uh, kind of COVID hit and that kind of got in the way. Uh, <clears throat> so along with those restrictions of travel, it kind of just sat sidelined for eight months and just kind of sat back, got back into karting more full time and just kind of stayed at it. Yeah. And even, even though you're, you're back in carts, you're still running lots of, you know, national, I mean, internationally really, um, you know, even this year you've done some races in the States, you're doing a part-time schedule with tag out in Quebec, like, you know, and, and, um, you know, having, having a real good level of success. Yeah, no, and, uh, majority of that's from the joy of racing still. Like, yeah, I still have that racing bug. I still want to be out there as much as I can, but as long as work lets me, I, and that's the big part of it. Like, uh, there is not a lot of, uh, people get into racing as much as other sports, Obviously, as look at the track in Warburg, I don't know what the member count is exactly, but compared to the member count at the local hockey club, I guarantee it's a lot. Or it's a big difference between the two numbers. But uh, uh, yeah, people that do get into it, I find they just really love it and they don't ever want to get away from it. They kind of get that bug, it's so called, and I don't know, it's kind of stuck with you for the rest of your life. Uh, even in our club, like Steve just said, his first go-kart was when he was 18 years old, and he kind of got busy with work, and 20 years later, he's back in one. It's kind of... I, I'm trying to find, um, you said you don't know how many, and I know just this, uh, in the last week or two, uh, we got an email from the club. I want to say we've got 160 members. I mean, definitely not um, not what you would see at, at a hockey rink where there could be, you know, hundreds and hundreds. But obviously, it's a lot more money to, you know, have to acquire a cart and, um, you know, the parts and pieces and, you know, all that goes with it. So, yeah, very different Um very different setup. I can't find that email. So unfortunately that number that I have is not based on fact that's based on my memory and my memory is terrible to, uh, to say the least, but um, you know, just pick your brain really quick, Matthew, that like I, I get your opinion more than anything. What would you say the, the, the balances or the percentages between talent, money and luck for those who you know, start into a go-kart who actually get to, to race at any kind of professional level? Uh, well, there's to win at a karting level, 
is a hundred percent uh scale maybe a little bit of money there like 10 percent of money just to well you need good equipment for sure if you want to be able to compete so that like we just said doesn't really come cheap but uh you go to a national level race 80 percent of people are or 80 percent of the racers are on as good as equipment as the next 18 guys like it it's a very uh the equipment is very similar to each other like you have so many different brands and you got four or you got plenty of engine builders in the country and their stuff's all very close. You may hear stories of other people being better than the next, but in reality, it is a lot closer than it may seem. So it is skill that wins you all the races or lets you be uh, competitive at those races. And uh, if you want to go to the next level, you got to have somewhat sort of skill to be able to compete and win at the races and carts yeah, but what what do you think separates the guys? And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Scott Dixon is an IndyCar because he's lucky, but there's there's a lot of good fortune that, that happens at, at key moments. You know, obviously, to stay there, you've got to prove that you belong or you have to keep writing massive checks. But, you know, you take a look at your story where – you know, I don't want to. I don't want to tell tales out of school. I know pretty well, you know what what the details were. But you had a pretty good sponsorship deal. You were lined up with a manufacturer. You had a bunch of things going, and then you know, with the COVID program, all that sponsorship had to go away because there was no one to race in front of. You know, that's bad luck that separated what could be the the next move. Um, you know, how much? I mean, really, how much do you think? luck plays into whether you hear about someone and become famous or, you know, you just kind of go into the also round. Well, I don't know. My story with COVID was a, a one in 50. Like, it's not every four or five years COVID's coming out and like it's stopping people's lives for a year and a half. So correct. I'd say that's like, obviously that was tough luck, but like the normal careers that are going on along or I, I don't think too much of it is luck. I think those people put themselves in the right situations, got to meet the right people. Like I have heard stories of, I'm trying to remember his name, but he was in IndyCar 10, 10 years ago. Uh, my old uh, car team's owner uh, told me the story. He said, he just got on a plane one day and sat next to the guy and they started BSing about race cars and cars and uh, just racing and then ended up being his main sponsorship for the rest of his career until he got into IndyCar. So stuff like that is obviously luck, meeting the right people, but you got to be able to turn that luck into something. So Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll, we'll take the pressure off you for a little bit here, Maddie. Um, Mr. Stevens, welcome back. This is a second appearance here on talk and torque second appearance. Yeah. Yeah. You're really, uh, you're, you're becoming a regular. I don't know if two times classifies as a regular, but I don't think anyone else has got to two. So that's oh. double, double the amount of anyone else. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, classified as a regular then. There you go. <laughs> um, what's your story? How, how did you get into racing? 
and and you've got kind of a similar thing where you got out of karting and got back in so yeah know. no i mean i i grew up as a kid four years old running a little home-built go-kart around my crescent and then uh my dad got connected with uh uh an older um sh- cart shop operator uh goldie trellenberg who who owned motor speed back in the day and uh took me out to the old warburg track so not the one that they're current running the original warburg track um that was run in the 80s and 90s early 2000s and uh got into the seat of a cart and absolutely loved it um ended up getting really competitive at it made it you know i think i spent 10 years running in carts before i made the move to cars and uh and ran ran six years in cars. Had a little bit of misfortune in my last couple seasons. Ended up taking six seven years off, and <laughs> now now made, we're... made a wrong turn and didn't go racing for seven years. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I was stuck on the left hand turns. I didn't make the right turn, I guess. But uh, we're back in it. It was just funny though. Uh, listening to Steve say uh, have have his commentary on getting back into it. And, man, as soon as he said the next thing, I mean. I was out last week, and I'll tell you, I was hurting for days. Well, and you're you're also a past grand finals competitor, so it's not like you don't know, like your brain doesn't know how to do it, but you stay out of a cart for 10 years, and all of a sudden you jump back in. I'll tell you what, getting into a car made me a little bit soft in, in the neck, but uh, <laughs> um, I, like you said, getting back into the cart, I mean, I, I felt great. I, I felt technically there. I felt... You know, I wasn't definitely wasn't running any fast lap times, but uh, you know, it, it it felt good. Just not the next three days. I wonder, you guys hear that echo on your end at all? Yeah, I did. Trying to figure out if that's on our end or if that's somebody else. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, obviously. I'm trying to figure out if I'm better off talking to you face to face or if I'm better creating the illusion that we're, you know, we're in separate places, even though you're only like four feet away from me. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys all have kind of a, you guys have a big advantage. I mean, my story is, is very different that I didn't get into a go-kart for the first time until I was like 34 years old. I was way, way, way out of shape. I wasn't, um, you know, I never prepped. I didn't know about any kind of pre-race exercises. I had always kind of gone to the local go-kart track and, and I'm always, I'm always quick in the, uh, in the arriving drives at West Edmonton mall. But I, I thought I would just get into a go-kart and, you know, DD2, I, you know, never been on in an, in an outdoor, outdoor style cart. And yeah, it, uh, yeah, it kicked the crap out of me for an awful long time. Um, I'm trying to figure out. It sounds like someone's phone is buzzing. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's a phone. I think there's just an echo either between me and Kyle here. I'm not sure. I'll try and I'll try and figure it out here. Um, obviously, not a sound guy, so sorry about that. Um, Want to move on a little bit here? Um, so this weekend, obviously. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a round table choice. Do you want to talk about the summer challenge coming up or do you guys want to talk about the world of motorsport from F1 and IndyCar? This is where you guys talk. Let's talk karting. I hope yeah. Danny Rick gets a drive this weekend. I don't know if you saw the Perez was sick yesterday. 
Yeah, well, he just missed media day today. Oh yeah. That's it. So we got we got two votes for carding, so we'll keep on the carding thing and we'll get back to the big stuff here in in, uh, in a little bit. But uh, this weekend, um, Summer Challenge out at EDKRA. So very fun event, um, you know, especially based on uh, the last couple of years where, you know, our, our track EDKRA really does a, a great job. Um, you know, I wanted to get out and do some testing this week and I can't because the track shut down for... Uh, preparation to make sure everything's clean, the grass is done, all the banners get hung for all the sponsors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think uh, all but Kyle are going to be, you're, you're racing, eh, Steve? Yes. Yeah, and I talked to your father today, Matthew, and the, you guys are trying to get everything lined up. So uh, you guys have any expectations for this weekend? For me, I'm just uh, kind of treating it like another Wednesday, except it's a Friday. So, um, you know, I'm just going to stick with my routine and how I kind of prepare for a race. Kind of big question mark on whether we're going to get some moisture or not. But the forecast has kind of been all over the map. It's The forecast has gotten a little better here in the last 24 hours. So I'm kind of itching for a rain race, to be honest. I, 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 like, I think for a guy like me, there's opportunity in the rain. So if it does get wet, that's not going to bother me at all. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to get some, I think we got a little bit of family coming out. Uh, so kind of treating like a big, a bit of a special event for uh, supporters who wanted to come out and, and check it out. It's a little bit more exciting this time around because there's going to be, you know, the, the club at large will be there. So it's going to be, you know, I think a little bit more of an exciting atmosphere. And uh, of course, uh, some live music and the fireworks would be pretty cool. But in terms of the race itself, it's uh, just treating it like any other race and try to be competitive and do my best and uh, have some fun. Well, you're also in a, you're in a bounce back you took last year off. So this is, um, you know, and, and you've been quick. I mean, there's there's no no two ways about it. You, you're kind of back where you normally run, knocking on, you know, top fives through, throughout the, uh, the 397 class. Um, did you... I'm dying to know. I'm this. I got to be careful because we're also competitors, and I'm not looking to to you know steal information. But uh, you must have done a lot of work last year. I mean, you came out to the track and supported a lot of drivers and hung out, you know, at a bunch of races last year. But uh, what was your off season uh, training like? I to be honest, I've never worked harder in the off season than I did this past season. Um, not just for karting, but just for personal growth and and things of that nature. But uh, hit the gym really hard. I got some support with a trainer to uh, help show me better ways to, to train. Um, and so from the period of like, I'd say November 15th to May 1st was pretty dedicated in terms of my fitness. Um, I'll be honest, uh, as soon as the race season started, I, I definitely let my foot off the pedal a little bit uh, in terms of getting into the gym. But um, so I, I need to stay, uh, stay disciplined there. But terms of off season yeah so worked a lot on on uh personal fitness um reviewed a lot of video um just watching where i make mistakes trying to like you know just eliminate mistakes um and then yeah i've got a few little parts and pieces for the cart but in terms of like you know on the technical side on the equipment side you know I'm, I'm pretty much in the same piece as i was in from the last season i raced and um I had my engine rebuilt though, top to bottom with uh, Overdrive Motorsports down in Calgary. 
uh, for this season, which, you know, I feel like I've got, you know, a, a good stove mounted to the, to the chassis and, you know, I'm probably making, you know, decent horsepower relative to the field. So yeah, it all just comes back to me, right. And just try not to make mistakes and be consistent and don't wreck and all that stuff. And that's always, that's always the, the challenge. We <laughs> drivers are really good at finding blame, uh, whether it's equipment, engine, bad luck, you know, cut off, whatever. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, we're the ones that put the helmet on. We're the ones that put our hands on the steering wheel and, you know, we're ultimately responsible for how that cart performs. Well, touch wood, like coming into the season, it was like, you know, my first goal was to, you know, complete every green flag lap. Right. And if I can do that, you know, and, and even just be, you know, in terms of my potential, in terms of lap time, if I could just finish every lap, finish every race and, like I'm touching wood right now because we're racing tomorrow. So I just want to put my foot in my mouth, but um, you know, if I can do that, I'll, you know, then, you know, I'll be okay in the standings and, you know, like it's club racing, so I don't want to take it too seriously and just have fun. And uh, I'm kind of channeling my inner Fernando Alonso this year. If you, if you see him, like that guy has just got the best mindset this year. Like he just, he used to be a bit of a, bit of a drama queen in the paddock and like you know he was always high drama and whatever and this year i just you know so he's just been like you know i'm good and so i kind of like that approach and so you know it's if i have a bad night or when i have a bad night i'm just gonna you know just have fun and remember that it's a privilege to be out here racing with you guys and you know there's always next week and we're not racing first time race. ever ever that someone's well i know you're being polite to the other two but first time anyone's ever referred to racing with me as a as a privilege so thank you very much for that <laughs> well, yeah i should be careful but no so that's I'm not, okay I, uh, this is recorded now like uh yeah, this this yeah. isn't going anywhere Can we rewind um no i mean like we we you know getting into it like it's a great it's a good club you know these the wednesday night guys it's a good group and um so yeah it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to come out and race yeah. So now you, you said the one thing and I'm going to, I'm going to jump on it and uh, we'll let, we'll let everyone else have a, have a few words here. Uh, you mentioned Alonzo. Now, obviously Alonzo is with Aston Martin um, owned, you know, now largely owned by Lord Stroll. Um, Lawrence has got a vast history of structuring teams to be the benefit of his son, Lance. Do you think that, Alonso's attitude this year is sincere or is this part of the deal that he's got with Lawrence to, you know, not, not necessarily, you know, uh, you'll never get Fernando Alonso to allow somebody to finish ahead of him, but on multiple occasions, they're, sh they're sending audio that, you know, let Lance know this, you know, let Lance, like when, when he was behind yeah. Lance, uh, let him know I'm not going to challenge. We just need to get up there. Do you think that that's sincere or do you think that that's part of his agreement with the team? And I'll, I'll leave that open to all three of you guys. I mean, hard to say, who knows, you know, what I'm talking like, <clears throat> I think he knows he's in the catbird seat. I think he knows he's got himself, you know, for the first time in his career, he's landed himself at the right team at the right time. He's in the right place at the right time. And, and he's got a ton of opportunities. So, you know, I think he's got that, you know, he's got that uh, shit eating grin, you know, from the morning he wakes up till, you know, and, and he's just loving life. But, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of speaking to, 
I don't know. I just, I think he's a little bit of a different Fernando, like, you know, based on, you know, like back in the old days, like, even, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. The Fernando that uh, single-handedly ended uh, McLaren's association with Honda. That, that. Yeah, like all that kind of stuff. Right. So he's matured and, and he's, and you know, he's, he's, he's one of these rare drivers that can be pushing 40 or 40 plus and, and, and compete at that level is a special thing. And there's only, you know, you can count them on one hand, you know, the amount of F1 drivers that are lucky enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Boys. Um, I mean, just for me to chip in there, I just, I think he's at the point too in his age where he's, I mean, yes, he'll compete. Every, it, it, trying to say a driver's not going to compete for a championship is definitely the wrong thing. But I think he's also, you know, realizing that he's at that age where, if he's in the if he's in the right position and he works hard and he's there to to win that championship, that's fine. But he's also you know not the youngest one in the field, not the youngest one on the team right now. So, you know whatever he can do to to help the the next up and coming generation. I mean, I think I think he's trying to position himself that way as well. Maddie, well, like we're talking about my favorite racing driver of all time here. So uh, I just think he wants to be in the car. And uh, I don't know, from what I read in the off-season, Alpine wasn't willing to give him the length that Aston did. So, I don't know. And I, I think that's all it is. He just wants to be in the car. He doesn't care what the rules are. He just wants to be back racing in, in F1. So, well, and, and, and a part of it is he's had an amazing career. What can he pass on to, to Lance, right? Yeah, and that's probably Obviously, something. he can pass lots on, but... He can pass it on without being in the car. So, well, well yeah, had a hard from last year though too. So, talk about a hard position for Lance to be in, right? Because it's really shining a light on. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know being a teammate to Max Verstappen, almost like that in the sense that you know it's really going to highlight you know Lance's deficiencies. I don't know what the word is, but. You know, like, you know, if they've got Fernando long term and I heard the same thing, Maddie, in terms of what what lured him over was was uh, was duration of contract. Right. It wasn't about money. It was he wanted years. So, you know, so conceivably, you know, Alonso is not going anywhere. And, you know, if Papa Stroll is really, you know, about bringing that team to the top of the to the top of the uh, to the top of the heap. You know, would he even ever entertain the idea of Lance not being a part of that team if a better opportunity came along and things like that? And I mean, who knows, right? But, I, you know, I hear people talk like Lance has been underrated the last, like he's been an underrated driver, things like that. But you put him up against Fernando this year and he, he hasn't cut it. Yeah, I think there's a there's a monumental difference. But, you know, talked about uh, being Max Verstappen's um teammate and uh it looks like more and more there might be a there might be a changing of the guard at the the red bull camp as well as the alpha towery um i got a whole bunch of points with this that that i've got you know jotted down and uh i'm curious to get everyone's kind of feedback i've got definite opinions so um i'm just gonna throw thing one out there helmet marco is this guy brilliant or is this guy an asshole or both You guys go. I can't. Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't. I, I honestly, I haven't seen a lot of what he's been doing. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't get. 
I think he's a team owner and he just he does what he needs to do to try and he is not a team owner. Red Bull is the team or, owner. He's a special consultant to special the team. Consultant, sorry. But, so did you see what happened this week though? Uh no, I, I missed the Okay, last so let me let me preface that this week uh he made a quote, a public quote. This isn't like something that was uh misheard. So within the Alpha Tauri team, um, you know, made up of Yuki Sonoda and Nick DeVries. He made the point of saying this week publicly, I don't disagree with Christian Horner very often. And it turns out he was right. He's never like Nick DeVries, basically chucking his driver completely under the bus. And this isn't the first time he's done that. He just publicly eviscerated this poor kid as a rookie. You know, uh, Yuki Sonoda killed so many race cars in his first couple of seasons and he pushed too hard and, you know, but he never got the lambasting that this Nick DeVries had. And basically they're saying, you know, they all but said he's going to walk out the door. They've obviously got Danny Ricardo in the wings as a, as a Red Bull driver. And, you know, now apparently the negotiations are happening, but my point about this helmet Marco is why are you doing that publicly? You can lambaste the kid, you know, in private, and you can say like, listen, you're not living up, but what's the benefit? And why, like, if you're a, if you're an aspiring driver, you know, that's the one team that they don't need any sponsorship aside. Well, I mean, let's say Mercedes Ferrari and, and Red Bull are the ones that don't need any real sponsorship. Why would you want to go to that team knowing that at some point you're, you're going to get lambasted like that? So sorry, helmet said i don't disagree with christian too often meaning christian is kind of pro debris and and marco had some reservations no opposite christian horner was not a fan of of nick debris and uh marco disagreed with him and and put the deal together or you know had the influence to put the deal together and now he's saying like listen christian was right this kid is no good is basically what it came down to yeah yeah, yeah that's say, Matthew. Sorry, there's some construction going on outside my house. It might be a little loud, but uh, like, I don't know. Helmet has certainly got like hit the nail on the head with his drivers, but he's also had some major busts and kind of exact wrong decisions. And uh, about coming out publicly like that, I'm pretty sure he came out publicly against Mick Schumacher too and said. He didn't like him at all, like, during the offseason when he left Haas and there's rumors where was Mick going to go. And I think he did the same thing, came out publicly, said he wasn't a fan of Mick. And so, I don't know, he's feel Which like he's fine. That's just an opinion at that point. It's not the driver that you have under contract. But, you know, he um, he does that an awful lot. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he is an old school guy, like. You might not care about your feelings, and I don't know if the media is asked the question. He might just answer it straightforward. Um, or maybe he's trying to light a fire under Nick DeBreeze. Who knows what his game plan is with that? But yeah, but that also seems to be a, a tactic. Red Bull has really been pumping Ricardo's tires. You know, they they're releasing all these stories about how he's found his his spark again. He's found his love of you know, racing where he had lost his confidence, um, you know, after McLaren and now he's back in the simulator and he's putting in lots of work and his attitude's good and blah, 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 blah. 
Toto Wolf is doing the same thing with Schumacher right now, talking about, you know, there's countless stories of how much, you know, how much great work he's done in the simulator. Um, you know, what a great driver he is. Again, these are opinions, but are these guys sincerely talking about these drivers because they're really doing a good job or are they really kind of pumping their tires because they want the other teams to bite on these guys to get them off their payroll? Steve. That's an interesting theory. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, back to Hellman, I, I think Matt said it right. Like he is, he is old school and, you know, like think about a hockey coach, you know, this, you know, the new school of hockey coaching where you're kind of coddling these young kids a little bit more and, you know, protecting their, their self-confidence and their ego and whatnot. And, and Helmet's not having that. So, you know, and then in terms of whether he means it or he's just trying to light a fire, I think we'll never know. Same to your question about, you know, pumping mixed tires and all that. We'll never know. That's, I mean, that's the name of the game. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm no authority, of course. Like Mick Schumacher didn't really blow me away with his performances um, on track. You know, uh, but it doesn't mean that you can't bring anything to the table in terms of simulator work. And, and yeah, I mean, maybe that, you know, maybe that did do a lot for him in terms of the, in terms of DeVries and all that. Like, I don't know what you, what these guys are expecting. Like, you know, like you got to remember, I, I don't, I don't know DeVries' whole story, but I'm sure he's had he's a lot an of F2 champion. He's a formula E champion. He's basically won in everything he's ever been in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 like um, you know the but I mean we'd agree that Formula One is you know put all that behind you. Formula One is a big level up from that, and you know what, how many races in are we? And you know what do you expect? What do you want? And if you want these guys to step into the sport and be extracting the absolute maximum out of the car from race one, and you know be you know on Sonoda's heels from rate, like, I don't know if that's what the expectation was and he's not delivering, then sure. There's a problem, but, but that's an unrealistic expectation. You can't can't expect a rookie to get up to speed year. I mean, the, the rookies that come in and perform out of the blocks are, you know, less than 5% in my opinion. And to, 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 you know, destroy these kids publicly like that. You know, again, the guy's a rookie. I mean, kid, not kid, whatever. I mean, they're they're all young men or whatever you want to call them. What's the benefit to making this kid feel like an asshole? Yeah. Well, you know, in today's world, you know, that's probably a, the, the wrong play. You know, if, if he did do it to try to light a fire, you know, I, I don't see that helping, man. Not at all. You had something you wanted to say there a few minutes ago, Matthew. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, DeVries isn't really a your standard rookie. I, I believe he is 25 or 24, isn't he? Something like that. I'm not sure of his age. Yeah, because I, I think he won it the year Latifi came into F1, I believe, F2. Because yeah. he went to Formula E and Latifi jumped up to Formula 1 even he, beat him in the championship though but uh and he he wasn't a red bull driver ever until this year so maybe that's got something to do with it too like i don't know how I'm trying to think of the word uh like if uh 
Red Bull had him ever since he was 16 or 17 years old. I'm sure Helmet may be a little bit more sincere to him, but yeah. the fact that he just kind of hopped in this one year and hasn't been living up to what he, in Helmet's eyes, wanted him to, maybe changes. But that was their before. decision. That wasn't DeVries' decision. No. Yeah. After him. And, and the same thing you know, with Perez. I mean, typically the Red Bull program was just that. I mean, you started as a junior driver. They funded you the whole way up. And now they're starting to deviate from that model. They're not, they're not relying solely on, you know, their, their in-house drivers. They're, they're looking outside. It was DeVries that jumped into Williams last season for that one-off. Yep. Yeah. And he crushed it, didn't he? Sure did. Yeah. In a car that like he finished, uh, what was it? Eighth. Yeah. Eighth with no testing, with no practice, with nothing and scored points. Like even, even George Russell wasn't able to do that, you know, for, yeah. years until you know the very end of his Williams career I don't know Red Bull like I just get the sense like Red Bull just chews up drivers like it, it's it's a very I think it's a very difficult environment for drivers like it's it's it is purely if you're not performing like you know it's much tougher I think to be in that organization as a driver so maybe that's part for the course we haven't heard from you for a while, Kyle. What are you? What are your? Th- what are your thoughts, Kyle? I'm just thinking, how much is, this, is hearing all this? How much is this him covering his own ass, so to speak? You know? Marco? Yeah, I mean, he's gone and 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 picked these pick these drivers and he's trying to develop them, and they're you know he's not he's not doing what he set out to do. You know, he's not having that eighth place performance and a one off step in or or dominating. So now he's coming out and saying, well, you know what? Maybe I'm maybe I'm agreeing with him, and I mean it's the wrong platform to do it. You don't do that publicly. That's something you should be doing behind, kind of an behind the doors. Yep. You got someone uh, someone in your background there, Matthew, that that has an opinion. Oh no, he just walked downstairs with my roommate. Uh, no, he doesn't doesn't know much about racing. I'm sure he's quite. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> I got a uh, I got a great quote. Uh, change gears here a little bit. A great quote. From Tony Stewart, I I tend to stay away from NASCAR. I'm I'm really disgusted with professional like uh, cup level NASCAR. Um, but there was a, a really really interesting story that I read uh, last week, talking about the um, the the difficulty that uh, cup level officials have um, with with some of these um, controversies that that have come up this year said uh, now they've backed themselves into a corner with the uh, the greed to the gambling side of this they can't manipulate the race they can't call somebody for a pit road speeding penalty if they didn't commit the act they can't control that they can't throw bogus cautions to bunch the field back up how do you control everybody if you've taken that ability away during the race? How do you do it? You do it at the R&D center after the races are over. If somebody's ruffling your feathers, that's where they're going to get you. So basically, Tony absolutely saying that you know before all this new car came out and before these stage races, NASCAR would absolutely throw you know, competition car, throw, throw, you know, uh, BS cautions to bunch up the field would penalize people who didn't actually commit penalties in an attempt to, to keep the control. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually fairly blown away. Do you put where you guys sit on, on that kind of, uh, that kind of comment from obviously one of the most established, um, you know, accomplished drivers in, in NASCAR history. 
Um, I'll jump in here. I mean, I watched a lot of NASCAR from 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 the old days before they did stage racing and whatnot. And I mean, I. I see what I see what his comments are. I see that uh, you know, looking back at some of those historical races and and historical seasons before they made the move to the next gen cars and and the stage races, um, where they would do that because at the end of the day, Cup level, Premier level NASCAR is is a spec is is a spectator sport. You're they're racing there. The drivers are racing there to drive and race the race. But at the end of the day, NASCAR is there to put on a good show, to bring in the revenue, to bring in the tracks revenue and spotlights. So, you know, I think uh, you know, when they saw Jimmy Johnson in the early mid two thousands winning seven championships, you know, he's, they started to see a decline there. Then they gotta start doing something about that. Yeah, and I I disagree. Um wholeheartedly and vehemently if you're going to call yourself the world's greatest racers the world's greatest race series the world's greatest the world's greatest made up of essentially americans put on a fucking race make it a race sometimes when somebody hits on something they're going to win by a lap jeff jeff burton did it at loudon it happens from time to time and yes sometimes when a team hits on something like you know uh, the, the 48 team did there when, when Johnson won seven championships, racked up a bazillion wins, it happens. You don't, you don't change the rules to artificially alter the, the, the race. And this whole green-white checkers bullshit is the worst thing that they've ever done because they say that they're trying to create a green flag finish. But when you bunch up the field, that many times and you have that many cars running that close it just turns into disaster and when you know that it's going to come down to that like 70 percent of the time 80 percent of the time not exciting anymore because it's the same bloody thing that happened last week and the same thing that happened the week before oh and i i wasn't i wasn't agreeing with that either i i wasn't saying that that's that's but something they, that if they they're gonna do. if they're gonna go that way stop calling yourself racing call yourself vehicular entertainment that like call yourself oh. WW NASCAR like same thing as soon as, as they as went to stage wrestling. racing to try and do whatever they're doing I I mean I haven't I haven't thoroughly followed NASCAR in probably six to seven years yeah or more boys Howdy. I got nothing about NASCAR <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same boat I've I used to, you know, I had some history in in, uh, in oval racing, and I used to be a huge NASCAR fan going back to the early 2000s, the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, I don't recognize NASCAR anymore. I have no idea, you know, what's going on. Um, they really kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's not the same. It, and I, I kind of feel like what you're trying to articulate there, Colin, that this has become more uh, uh, entertainment than, than um, you know, uh, pure racing. And, um, you know, the cars, these next-gen cars, uh, you know, I don't recognize them. Um, I don't recognize the drivers. And, yeah, I'm like Kyle, I haven't <clears throat> paid any close attention like come on a decade maybe like you know i might i might catch the daytona 500 you know because it's the daytona 500 um yeah i mean let them let them you know and so here's what i'm thinking like let let that happen and and if there's an audience for it and they can fill you know 150,000 people into an into a into a 
at a circuit and, and run around for five, 400 miles and then go and do it. But, you know, like what happened with some of these um, splinter series that Tony Stewart was trying to put together and get back to some grassroots short track stuff? Like, did that there ever happen? Doing well. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So yeah, SRX, I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're paying drivers to get in. They, you know, let them open it up to a bit of sponsorship. They're all perfectly prepared cars. They encourage, um, you know, contact, light contact. You know, they don't want to see anyone get fenced. Um, saw a clip the other day, again, talking about Tony Stewart, that they'll actually talk to the drivers mid-race, like not talking about under caution while they're driving. And um, I can't remember who it was. Um, oh, it was Connor Daly was uh, doing some color and talked to smoke during the middle of the race and said, Hey, listen, yeah, so-and-so got into you there. Uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And he's running around the track, like at speed, like, yeah, I don't think he wants to do that too much. You know, um, I've got something lined up for him later on. Like, you know, but uh, blah, 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 blah. They're like, well, thanks for talking to us. He's like, Oh yeah. Drop in anytime. Like yeah. that, that was pretty entertaining to see. Um, but getting back to your point, Steve, about 150,000 people, that does not happen anywhere, right. anywhere ever. Like NASCAR spent somewhere in the neighborhood of $4 billion removing seats. Daytona used to have 180-something thousand seating capacity. They've reduced it now to like 100,000. Um, you know, like there's no, and, and they have a hard time selling out because, you know, they get rid of the seats because they want the grandstands to look more full, but they're not selling they're, anymore. They're getting, they're getting rid of the wrong aspect of it. Quit getting rid of the seats, get rid of the sprint format, let them go racing. Just get back <laughs> to racing. And, and, you know, this idea a long time ago, I mean, my, my biggest bitch with NASCAR as, as an entity, and, and, you know, I'm very aware that we race in, in NASCAR Pinties. We, you know, Love the Pinty series. You know, this is not what I'm talking about, but you've got a rule book. Follow the rule book. You know, you, how do you penalize a driver, Denny Hamlin, because in his podcast, he mentioned that he made intentional contact with a driver. The podcast came out on Tuesday, two days after the actual incident happened, and they issued a penalty to the guy because he admitted that he dumped someone like, how does like can you imagine in any other sport you know uh connor mcdavid yeah i tripped him um and that's what prevented the goal three days after the, the hockey game happened say well we're gonna penalize him because he admitted like come on guys this is ridiculous yeah mile tracks and under is a is a nice formula nice recipe that's great racing and so i don't know like you know, SRX sounds great. And I, I never followed up on it. You know, obviously you probably don't have a TV deal. Maybe I don't know, but you could probably stream it. But that would be, that would be great. More, more of that, please. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, NASCAR panties guys, this is where you got to be. And this is, uh, you know, uh, this is not official, but um, you know, the rumors are, are circulating that this is going to be the last Western swing. Uh, that we might not have, um, you know, uh, we might not be coming back out west. I mean, currently we race in uh, Wetaskiwin and Saskatoon, um, July 22nd at uh, Wetaskiwin, but this could be the last time we come out here. Uh, it sounds like there's some issues at Saskatoon that uh, they might not be able to to um, 
get NASCAR back. And I don't think NASCAR wants to come out West if it's only a one race series. So uh, we need to get a few bodies, you know, not you, Matthew, you've got other uh, obligations during the July 22nd weekend, but uh, well, and I guess you got, uh, uh, might Matthew's just be you and me, Steve. Matthew's obligations are my obligations. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be a shame if, if they didn't have a Western swing, right? I mean, Canada is a huge country, um, but, you know, we want to call the Pinty Series, a, you know, Canada's national series. And, you know, if it kind of stops at the Ontario border, that would be unfortunate. Well, Wonder, we run out to the Maritimes, so, yeah. Right. We are covering, you know, this year we're going to be in five provinces, which, you know, that's that's a pretty good representation of the country. But um, the money's just not there. I mean, the, the purses are I mean, if you saw what first prize is, you know, race weekend, if you're running in, in the top cars, I mean, race weekend can cost thirty five, forty thousand dollars. And first prize, if you win, is like five grand at a big race like. So the economics need to be there, yeah. Yeah, the 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 economics are really tough. Um, but yeah, to come out to come out west for for a single event, uh, going to be tough. But um, you know, I guess you got a decision to make, Steve, whether you're going to go watch the because uh, I don't think you're entered into the the Rotax Canada final out of Stratotech. Negative. But so you got to decide if you're going to go watch that or if you're going to come out and watch us run NASCAR. That's the decision. The, yeah, I think I'm going to be uh, camping that weekend. Unfortunately, for my racing, I've got a commitment. I'll be uh, I'll be uh, lakeside uh, with a fire pit, hopefully, and some friends. So that weekend's spoken for. So I think my racing will be pretty much on the back burner that weekend. Like, hopefully, some friends. Is then you're you're hoping to actually make some well, between that and or. I, I, it's not, it's not my deal. I'm just showing up. I don't know who's going to be there, but it should be a hoot. So it'll be fun. But back to the Western Canada. So, um, like this probably doesn't make sense for, but like, we've got this Vancouver Island road course. We got area 27. We got, uh, could we do a road course swing out West? I don't think so. Um, I, I haven't seen Area 27 in quite some time, but uh, the last time I saw any of the events from Area 27, there's no real runoffs. There's no um, the the safety structure out there is pretty pretty rudimentary. Um, when I was watching the the last uh, the last races, and I mean it's more than a year ago, uh, one of the drivers' cars disabled, caught on fire. It took the safety crews like. I'm going to say a, like at least two, if not three minutes to arrive to the car. And when the, the safety crew arrived, the guy who jumped out was in shorts and a t-shirt and had a fire extinguisher. Um, if I'm, you know, like you've got a, you've got a plan for the worst uh, scenario, but if you're a driver trapped in a burning car, and the guy who shows up can't get to you because he doesn't have Nomex, he doesn't have equipment, that's very, 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 very bad. So, yeah, I, I just don't think they're ready. I don't know about the Vancouver Island circuit. Um, you know, Medicine Hat has an oval. I don't think we would want to race there. You don't want to race um, there. You know, Penticton has a, has a resurrected oval, uh, but that's really aligned with the same RS, RS1 uh, Area 27 series. I think that, you know, really they've structured that series to be the alternative to NASCAR where you can get into, um, you know, you and I, Steve, can get into one of those cars. Um, 
you know, Kyle and Matthew have done professional racing. You and I are kind of schmucks, but any of us can get into that. You pay $5,000, at least the last I heard, and you're running and there's no cost. You don't have the, the only cost is crash damage. You don't put fuel in it. You don't touch the tires. You have no crew. Like it's a, it's a really cool way to, to get to do some high level racing, but yeah, I don't know what the alternative would be. I mean, Saskatoon is such a great oval, like, You've you've been there. You've raced there. Have you raced? You haven't done anything there, have you, Matthew? No, I've never been on that car track before. Have you but, seen uh, it? No, I don't think I have. You drive right past it when we go to Martinsville, um, but the the track itself is like just unbelievably awesome. That when they built the track, they actually dug it down, so it's like twenty twenty five feet below ground. So there's no wind, um, great banking, great surface. Um, it's, it's a nice track. We used to have like 8,500 to 10,000 people come out to that race. And, you know, yeah. because the structure of the track, they're, they're a members-owned facility, and it seems like they're in a bit of disarray. There's not a... Um, there's nobody really running things and the, the, the attendance has really dropped off, but um, yeah, I, I hope, you know, I always look forward to uh, I mean, obviously being based here in the West, it's um, you know, it's where we get to showcase everything. We, you know, get to do a lot of media cause I've got a fairly well-known driver, but um, yeah, hopefully we get a few people out, uh, come and see us. Um, hopefully you guys get a, f- you know, you guys get a few guys out, a few folks out to watch the, uh, the Rotax Canada final out at Stratatech. And uh, it's also two different cars for the oval cars and road cars, isn't it? I believe for RS1. Yeah. Nope. No, for uh, Pinties. Pinties. Like it's oh, different. yeah. Separate, separate cars. Oh, yeah. You would have to load up. Yeah. Double the, or twice as much stuff if you wanted to do a road course circuit too. At yeah. Area 27. And... What about, uh, is it Rocky Mountain they're building down Southern Alberta or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, I've never been down there. I've never seen it, but like that's a private, um, private facility that they would really have to, you know, get their member approval. Um, but, you know, the sanctioning fee that NASCAR, uh, asks, especially for these distance races is like, my opinion, it makes it very, 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 very hard for the local track to make money. Yeah. Like, you know, because they pay so much. That goes to NASCAR. That doesn't really, like, yeah, some of it gets turned into purse, but not an awful lot of it. And, um, you know, by the time the, the the tracks have done that, there's just not a lot left for them to do, you know, promotion to do, you know, all the other yeah. stuff. Yeah. Are you noticing the trend in business model, though, out, well, out west at least, where, you know, these tracks are getting built, but they're getting built as private clubs, right? And that's how it's getting done. Right. So, you know, no different than if you have a membership at a, you know, a fancy golf club, right. And you're dropping serious dough to be a member at a golf club, you know, same idea with these places. So area 27, that's the model. I believe Vancouver Island, that's the model. And again, here in Alberta, that's the model. And I didn't know that about Saskatoon, but it was a member's owned track. Right. So, you know, like, you know, where are the promoters, right? Where, where are the, where, where are the, you know, and, and that, I think what that just goes to tell you is that, you know, it's not viable to be a pure promoter of, 
you know, a race facilities promoter perhaps. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I disagree because I know a lot of the promoters at a lot of the tracks across Canada and, um, and, you know, when they, they get it right, they do a great job. I mean, Dominic Fougere uh, runs GP3R, um, like seriously, one of the greatest fucking guys on the entire planet. Um, but just 12 months of the year promotes that it's a, it's a street event. Matthew's race there. You haven't raced there. Um, like one of the, the like single greatest motorsports events on the planet because they've got a really good promoter. They've got a community that for the most part buys in um, the environment. There is just amazing. The same, the same kind of feeling that I get when I was on the grid at the Indy 500 with Alex is the same kind of feeling. Like if you, if you get onto the grid during the Pinty's autograph session, you will shit your pants. Like you have never seen so many people so enthusiastic in such a, not, not a confined space, but they fill the entire front straightaway. Um, and it's, and there's so much fun. Like the, the people, um, you know, they, they, they're not quite like the, the, uh, the fans at Suzuka with the crazy hats and all that, but that's actually starting to happen more and more. And, um, you know, uh, they're not on the NASCAR calendar anymore, but uh, Don Chisholm, um, his family built and they operate Riverside Speedway outside of Antigonish. One of the, like, if not the greatest oval in Canada, um, definitely one of the greatest ovals, um, you know, mini Bristol. I mean, it's, uh, I can't remember the dimension. It's a, I think it's a quarter mile, uh, which is the same length as Wetaskiwin, but it's built like Bristol. So it's got crazy big banking in the corners, um, was just so much fun um, and, and hoping that at some point we're able to resurrect that, but those guys do a great job with their promotions. Um, you know, Mike James, we were just hanging out with him last week. Um, he's the guy that's responsible for Eastbound Raceway, uh, the, the track that we were just at in Newfoundland. They do year long promotion. They run concerts. They run, you know, their local oval. They've got a drag strip. And, um, you know, I mean, the stands were, I couldn't actually see the stands from where, where I stand on the spotter stand, but I mean, the parking lot was packed. I mean, you know, people are able to do it. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely possible. My caveat there was for Western Canada though, right? Like that's, you know, is it different because it's Western Canada? Like is that's, that was my only caveat, like for viability in the West, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I think we've got a different mindset out here that a lot of the time we maybe start with the idea of why we can't do something instead of just deciding that we're going to make it work. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully the even the threat that this might be the last race, hopefully that's enough to get a to get a few people out. Yeah. Okay, boys, uh any any parting thoughts here? Uh no, we didn't really get any shit talk. We didn't really get any kind of banter. I mean, Matthew and Steve, you guys are going to be going to be racing against each other tomorrow night. What's the uh, what's the program here? Who's who's going to uh, who's going to do the deep digging? Who's going to? I mean, I, I, candidly, if it rains, the race is over. Matthew's probably going to win by a lap. Like the last time I watched that kid race in the rain was at Tromblaw, whatever that was last year, and uh, he pretty much lapped the field. Um, the only, the only issue was the spark plug came apart on the last lap. Yeah. It seems weird though. It seemed to be quick everywhere in the wet, except for Warburg though. So it, Warburg is a, a weird track in the rain. I can say that 
it's not like any other track in the rain. Well, good news Jonathan. is you got a Jonathan, you know, by text, you've got tag, you've got uh, Jonah, you know, all these guys are going to help with the setup. There's just so much rubber down. Like, like obviously, you know, the wet racing line, you want to stay off the rubber, but in Warburg, there's so much like outside of the side and the rubber's just covering the entire yeah. track. It's a, uh, it's a tough track to get around once it gets slick. That's for sure. You want to see a weird track in the rain? Wait, wait till you get to Stroudtech if it rains. <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be a challenge. That one. Yeah, you're Don't not going to hit 135k an hour on the front straightaway, but man, <laughs> you are. There's there's a lot of pant pissing moments out at that track. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of Maddie, I mean, the best part of Maddie's race I know is his rear bumper. That's called his. That just kind of drives off into the distance. So my race isn't really with Matt, but uh, you know, there's a good little group of guys that I'm racing with every week, and um, so you know, we'll just see how it goes. But I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> rain or shine, whatever. Let's let's go and have some fun and um, just put my best foot out there and. So out of your group, who, who's your group that you're racing with, Steve? Well, we got that rookie, uh, Juan. Uh, Juan is in a Burrell art, and he's quick. Um, Scary. And it's funny, his story coming from Colombia. Uh, he's come to Canada for work, and I think some, some – anyway, he's, he's here. And, but back, back home, he never wrenched a cart. He never touched a wrench. He always had – just the way they operate down there, you're assigned a mechanic. And so he just drove. And uh, so his curve, his learning curve has been about, um, uh, you know, wor working on on preparing his cart and adjusting his cart and, and whatnot. Um, so he's in the mix. Uh, the 53, uh, Craig is Craig in McKenzie. the mix. Um, Ryan Barry has leveled up. So he used to be in the mix, but I think he's he's stepped it up and he's he's, you know, like you, when you look at when you look at the field, there's you know there's the any Dowler that's on the track, and then and then Maddie, um, Ryan Barry is kind Dowlers, of, and then Tasky. Yeah, yeah, and okay. uh, um, so you know like that's a, that's a group, and they're up front. Ryan's trying to like knock on their back bumper a little bit more and more. So Ryan is kind of he's a little quicker than you know the you know me and Craig and Juan and. Um, whoever else is in that, that group. So Ryan, I think he might be having a few lonely races this season with, you know, with Griff and Matt kind of driving away slowly, but surely. And then us not quite able to keep up with Ryan. And so everyone has their own race on the track. And that's the nice thing about our group. You know, we've got, we got, you know, a pretty diversified group of drivers in terms of their development level and, and their speed and everything like that. So whether it's your first season out there or, you know, you're, or you've been out there for a long, long time, you know, there's always someone to race with. Right. So, um, yeah. So we'll just go out there and have fun. Good stuff. Matthew, what's your prediction for the weekend? Oh, I think I'm going to win. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, piss excellence. I wake up in the morning. <laughs> And then yeah, I don't really know what happens after that. Don't care. Are you uh, are you running any of the weekend stuff? Uh no, I don't believe so. Uh, who knows? I might get talked into it tomorrow once I get talking to Trevor and the other. Well, yeah, my Briggs card ain't ain't ready, but 
Keep in mind, I mean, if, if we have a good night tomorrow night, then, you know, we'll have a good night tomorrow night. So, yeah. you know, you might have to be licking your wounds on Saturday. I don't know. Let's hope not. Let's hope I don't get too crazy tomorrow. We'll see. I've got the good tequila in the in the camper, though, and uh, we'll get, get a little... the podium. Might be a real podium this this club race too. What's the summer challenge? Should be a should be full podium. Check, check presentations for Super Pole and for all um, for all the the heat wins and or not heat wins, but for uh, for second, third. So that's always a always a fun thing. But uh, yeah, Steve and Craig they're putting on the uh, the burger bar tomorrow night, and you know for our for our burger. Uh, uh, providers, I'll make sure. Again, I got the good tequila tomorrow, Steve. So I'm going to make sure that I get at least uh, one or two shots down here in Craig's throat. At my way. Let me get the burgers first. I'm hopping off of this when we're done, and I'm heading straight to Costco. I better start getting things in place here. But um, <laughs> yeah, we for those who don't know, you know, with our group, we we do uh, we do we get together for a meal after every race, and and Chantel and Vicky Franklin, who's one of the racing families. Um, uh, works hard to to put something together for us. So I think they get a they get a they get a, a mulligan uh, on the summer challenge. So I just like well I'm going to be hungry, so I need food. So <laughs> so I might as well. Yeah. So we'll throw up a burger stand and uh, and have some fun. But yeah, it's it's a cool setup. Yeah. Hey, you're talking to uh, well half half the group here is a 420. So any <laughs> any any mention of food, we're going to be there. I'll, I'll get a few extras. Well, like I said, we're we're gonna trade some tequila. Like it's, it's the good tequila too. Yeah, well, it has to be good tequila. I'm not a teenager anymore, and you just can't handle that other stuff. But mm-hmm. how's our, how are we looking for registrations for for Friday night? Or, or what do the numbers look like? No clue. Okay, I'll be there. Maddie will be there. You'll be there. That's at least three. I think okay. it's same as the Wednesdays, like 26, 28 yards. Nice, awesome. Yeah, I really like to see us broken into separate 397 and 420 heats, so we're not on track together, and we don't have that mix match, especially because it's a cash race, and especially because you know you get a 420 that's pretty quick around a, a 397 that's pretty slow, and you know the 397 wants to get back up for their next position. It gets really, really messy sometimes, especially when it gets a little bit more serious. How far out are they paying? Uh, this I didn't I didn't even see that. Uh, usually it's top three. Okay. Yeah. So there's um, at least if it, it's the same as last year, um, there's a there's a prize a cash prize for Super Bowl. So you go through and um, the way it worked last year, if I remember correctly, you go through a regular poll, which is I think that's how the the running order start, and then there's a Super Bowl where like the top five go out onto the track for one more run. And the winner of that gets a check for, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And then, yeah, top three walk away with a with a check. That's so cool. It's so foreign to carding when there's money on the line. I've still got my very first check. It's hanging on my wall from, uh can't quite see, I think it was 2018. My, my uh, first prize uh, check in 420, which turned me into a professional race car driver. You're a money-earning driver. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't been cashed yet though, so hasn't been put in the pocket. You should have cashed it. It's it's worth more as a as a wall hanging. It's it's sentimental value, man. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often, but uh, 
Yeah, really good, boys. Any uh, any final thoughts? Any any parting parting words of wisdom? No wisdom for me, but I'll just say good luck to everybody racing this weekend. Yeah, Lake Boy, he's not even going to come out. <coughs> yeah, on a on a man oh. much. So. Oh, Kyle, Kyle's oh. taking the weekend off to go hang out at the lake because it's Canada Day, and they apparently mm. got some place to hang out at the lake, but. You know the hardcores, the real racers, the you know the the you know the committed ones, the dedicated ones will be there. We'll be you know honing aircraft. I'll just I'll just put it on the record that I was one of the few guys that put their hand up when we got rained out there a couple of weeks ago. I put my hand up and I said, "Let's go," and uh, so I you know I I was ready to go, so I'm I'm committed. But yeah, I I get that. The problem is that. I also, I value and respect our volunteers and um, would not ask, you know, corner, corner workers to, to, you know, be in a dangerous or, you know, unfriendly Touché. situation. Touché. Touché. Well, I kind of put my hand up saying, Jesus, I hope we don't actually race. <laughs> <laughs> you put it, you put it halfway. Like, it wasn't uh, like, okay. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I actually went out to the track that night, and uh, when I got out there, there were only two carts on track, and it was the uh, the Smith the Smith twins, and they were like having the time of their life. They were they were knocking off each other. They were spinning off the track. They were like typical Smith fashion. They were they were going you know full speed or nothing. So that was kind of fun to watch. Nice. Okay, boys. Well, thanks for, for jumping in. Um, if there's anything else, I'll give you one last shot at uh, your, your final your final words here. Kudos. Stevie. Kudos to Colin for doing this and for inviting all of us on. Uh, I'm happy to get involved in anything that helps to grow the sport. Um, I think there's a ton of growth opportunity uh, for our club. The Netflix effect... I think is a huge opportunity that, you know, we could be doing a lot to grow our club. So, Hey, if it's a podcast to talk about karting, then, Hey, I'm in. So thanks for doing that. And I'm happy to be a part of it. You're most welcome. And you're welcome back anytime. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow. There goes Steve Hammond, Maddie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, not the, not the best talker out there, but I appreciate, appreciated having to say something. Uh, yeah, no, that's pretty much it. I think Steve had a very good one. I don't know if I could top that. Well, you pay attention. You make notes and you know, practice in the mirror once in a while. We'll bring you back on. This is uh, this is the beauty of the podcast is that, you know, there's there's no right, there's no wrong. Just, you know, talk sincerely and, you know, let it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah I appreciate, appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow. Cool, Have man. You Have a good night. Tomorrow. Yeah, you too. Yep. And there goes Maddie. And now we're down to Hollywood Stevens. Hollywood Stevens, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm a regular now. Two two makes me a regular, so two makes you a regular. I'll, no uh, no parting no parting words. No, nah, just good luck to all you guys this weekend. And remember, as uh, a great rally driver once said, if in doubt, flat out. He's not the best in the business for nothing, folks. Ah, and now I get the spotlight, which is really the way it should be. Um, yeah, really, really uh, grateful uh, for for my friend Steve 
uh, Maddie, uh, obviously Matthew runs our, our cart, uh, Kyle runs our brand of cart, uh, but the, the carting family is so much more than who, what, what make or model you've got, um, you know, make a lot of great friends. We've got a very, very social club. Um, and, and I would say 95% of our, our group gets along, uh, hoping to do another one of these later on in the season. And, um, you know, hopefully we get a better mix of drivers. Uh, I think we got a lot of drivers who are fairly shy and, uh, don't, uh, don't really like throwing it out there, but, uh, hopefully they see this, they figure out it's, uh, it's not so scary and, uh, we get to tell a story and, and maybe expose a few more people to, uh, to another, another style of, of racing. Um, but that's about it. Uh, want to do, um, want to do a little bit of follow-up of, uh, of our last race at, uh, at Eastbound. Um, we'll save that for next week. I actually have a pretty good guest lined up, but I'll save that as well. And, uh, Roy, thanks for the kind note. Um, we'll throw this up here and I'll try and answer this publicly. Um, do DD2 usually race at regular club races, not DD2? Uh, there is a, uh, a small number of people who will race their DD2 on the weekends at, uh, at the club races. They usually race at the same time as the shifters. Uh, but our, our main DD2 club races on Wednesdays. Um, as you heard, we get really large crowds. Um, a really large field, I should say. Uh, we have something like 35 registered drivers and we'll get... Um, you know, I think our biggest field has been 28 carts. So, you know, for, for Wednesday night or for any, any Rotax class, uh, that's, that's pretty substantial. Um, but yeah, come out, uh, if, if anyone's interested, come out, uh, tomorrow night, we start qualifying at 5 PM until six, uh, generally speaking, heat one happens about six 30 and, uh, we'll run three heats through the night of 10 laps, 10 laps, and then a 12 lap final, uh, we're generally wrapped up by about 8.30, so uh, lots of time to uh, to socialize. There's still lots of daylight this time of year, obviously. We just hit the uh, the summer solstice. And um, and then, you know, aside from our, our, our DD2 program only runs on, uh, on Friday, but uh, through the weekend, you can get out and watch Shifter, Briggs, uh, all the Rotax classes, and, uh, and see everything that, uh, that EDKRA has to offer. Um, as always... Uh, I'm always available, easy to find. Uh, you can see my uh, my talk and torque tag at talk and torque. Uh, you can email me at any time. Hey there at talkandtorque.ca, and uh, I will be back next Thursday. <laughs>
She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.